Name. Johanna Basford. Age. 35. Lives in. Scotland. Family. One husband and two small children. Favorite coloring book. Oh, World of Flowers. <laughs> Favorite colors. Mm, it's like asking a mother which is her favorite child. I can't. I can't pick. I like them all. Maybe not so much brown, but the rest of them I like. <laughs> Tea or coffee? Tea. Welcome to a new episode of Passionista Colorista podcast. And welcome to today's guest, Johanna Besford. Hello. Hello. What have you been doing today? Today's been really busy, actually. I had to sort my children out this morning and do the school run. And then I was into the studio to work on some things for the World of Flowers book launch. I see. And... Uh... I think we just should start with the new book because everyone is so excited about that one. Yeah, I'm really excited. It feels like it feels like I've come home, if that makes sense. I just love drawing flowers. So to have the opportunity to work on a new book just about flowers was a dream come true. And it's all finished and we're ready to launch it in October. But was it hard to choose what to do after all your other coloring books? No, I am one of those people that is never short of ideas. If anything, it's the opposite. So I always have a list in a notebook with like five different ideas of things that I want to do. And I just have to speak to my editor and we sort of whittle away down until we get the perfect idea. And that's the one that we go for. So World of Flowers was one of several projects I'd been thinking about, but we decided to go for this one, and it was definitely the right decision. So what is it about flowers that you like, love so much? Joe, I just think they're so inherently beautiful. I can't imagine a world without flowers, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I've grown up around flowers. My grandparents were both gardeners. We've grown up in the countryside, so we're always surrounded by wildflowers. And, you know, I'm just one of those people that if you put a vase of flowers in a room, to me, it instantly feels happier, calmer. It just it just makes me smile. So I just think there's something about flowers that, yeah, that makes people happy. And for me, that means it's a good thing to make into a colouring book. But where do you find inspiration? Is it your own garden or is it... Lots of places, lots of places. So we do have a garden, but being in the northeast of Scotland, you can't always guarantee um, that you're going to get a lot of blossoms, especially, you know, I'm not the best gardener. So for me, I like to visit gardens, you know, like um, formal gardens. So it might be a walled garden or a garden in a castle. I also like to visit flower markets, florist shops. Uh, the internet, you know, it is good. There's a lot of pictures on there that are very pretty, but you have to you have to be careful that you're not looking at the same pictures as everyone else. And also, with something as natural and as beautiful as a flower, 
you know, a digital image on a screen is never, ever going to capture that. And there's a certain kind of charm to smelling the flower, the scent while you're drawing it. So I do love to buy flowers, but I can. Um, and lastly, my grandparents, as I mentioned, were both gardeners. And when they passed away, I inherited my grandmother's botanical reference books. So all the books that she used when she was gardening. So ones for looking up wildflowers or orchid books. And those books were they were really special, actually, because whenever she found a flower that she hadn't found before, she would look it up in her book, you know, I think to like, find the exact name of the specimen and if the illustration in the book was in black and white she would color it in so these books became a sort of living colorful document of all the wildflowers that she ever found in her life and you know I have all those books in the studio so they were lovely to look at as well. So she actually did herself a coloring book? Yes, I guess. Yeah, she really did. She um, she took those black and white illustrations and she would look at the specimen that she'd found and she would copy the colors and the markings and and, and make her black and white reference book into a, a botanical coloring book. So how do you feel when you are flipping through these books? Oh, I love it. You know, it's it feels like a little time capsule and a sort of magical connection to my grandmother. We were very close. Um, so it's lovely to think, you know, not only am I looking at pictures that she herself has colored by hand, but also, you know, those were, she's often written, you know, like little notes where she found the flower or the date that she found it. So yeah, they're like little mini time capsules, I guess. So it's, it's lovely. So in this book, it's real flowers. It's not. It's not fantasy flowers. So in in world of flowers, it's a bit of both, as ever. So I like to take botanical references and draw some flowers true to form, but as well, I do like to use a bit of imagination. So I tend to take perhaps the petal or the leaf of one flower and mix it in with something else that I've seen, and I create these sort of inky hybrids. So there are some blooms that are botanically correct and you would find them, you know, in certain places in the world. It might be a special kind of lily or there's some quite rare orchids and then others I've just made up. <laughs> so you won't find them anywhere, which is nice because that means there's also no correct way of coloring them. There's only your way. So that, I like that as well. How long time does it take for you to finish a picture? To draw one picture can take anything between a morning and three to four days. So it all just depends how complex the illustration is and also how easy it is for me to get the image that I have in my head onto the paper. So sometimes everything goes to plan and I just stand at the desk and I draw it and it looks great and everyone's happy. And then other days I'm like the tortured artist and I will stand there and it looks rubbish and I rip it up and throw it in the bin. And I'm very, very particular. So if it doesn't look quite right, I just, I can't have it in the book. I have to put it to the side and start again. So yeah, some days it's great. And you know, it's a day for a page. It's brilliant. Other times I can be a whole week and then have drawn nothing that's going to make it into the book. So it's very varied. But can you describe the feeling when you have a 
good day and you are having flow. And yes. It feels like you are running a race and you're out in the front and there's nobody behind you and you can see the finish line and you're running like you've got the best trainers on you've ever had in your life and you've had five espressos. <laughs> Everything just goes really well and time just flies past that's what it feels like when everything's going well and when it's not going well it feels like you're wading through honey and trying to swim in a swimming pool full of the thickest honey ever and you're just getting nowhere and you're bogged down and it's terrible <laughs> but I think it's hard not to start flipping on my smartphone and be on Instagram and things like that how do you Uh, make yourself <laughs> focused well people will maybe notice that sometimes I disappear completely from social media so there are weeks sometimes months when I won't post or I post very infrequently and I just turn all that stuff off you know I love social media and the coloring community but when I'm trying to create work it can be a distraction because I have quite a bad sort of um range of focus if things aren't going well and I think when things aren't going well that's when you're most likely to be you know attracted to look at pictures on Pinterest of rabbits dressed up in floral crowns you know these are the things that I find myself doing and you know that's not a good way to create work so for me sometimes you just need to take that digital detox turn everything off hide the smartphone put on some headphones, you know, and block out all the noise around you and, and just work in, and not silence, but just a bit of a, a bit of a bubble, I think. I think that really helps me in particular. Are you one of those persons like me, and I know some other people's, uh, that talk to yourself while you're working? <laughs> Do you know what? I used to talk to myself a lot, and then My oldest daughter is four now, and it really freaks her out. So she's always like, Mommy, who are you talking to? <laughs> so I consciously don't do it anymore. And also, I don't work in the studio by myself anymore. Quite often, Kim, who helps me, is in. And yeah, I think if I was muttering away to myself, <laughs> it would be a bit distracting for her. <laughs> But no, I don't do that. But I do write myself notes all the time. So if I'm working on a drawing and I think of something that I want to look up or I suddenly remember, like I've just remembered I need to book a dentist appointment for my kids, I'll just scribble it on the side of the paper so that I don't stop what I'm doing. And I find that helps me keep focused, but it does mean that all over the original artwork for my books, there'll be, you know, like phone Barry on the 23rd of October, or don't forget the electrician's coming or remember to Google rare monkey face orchid it's all these kind of bizarre things and then I do wonder if I should rub them all out but I quite like that it, it documents the, the sort of chaos that's going around inside my head whilst we're making a book what's important to to think about when you are making these drawings that someone else is going to color in good question so I have learned a lot over the last five years And it's things like the shapes need to be complete shapes so that if you're coloring in, you know where one color ends and the next color begins. The shapes need to not be too small. You know, it, it can be quite difficult for people to color very intricate designs. Some people love that, but, you know, I think it's good to have a variety of 
of larger shapes and smaller intricate details. Uh, I'm also things like some people love to do backgrounds, so I try and leave some illustrations with quite blank backgrounds. So that means that people can create their own or do blending effects, whereas other people prefer, you know, a fully complete page. So I make sure the artwork stretches top to bottom, left to right, and there's no blank paper there. Those are the kind of pages that that some people really enjoy. So. I think it's about finding the balance and making sure there's a little bit of something for everyone. Um, and also that that the artwork, you know, is, is nice to colour. And I often print things out as I'm working on them and try them out and make sure it's nice to colour and, and you know, that, that there's a good balance of large and small details. And also things like we know now never ever to put the artwork into the spine of the book because it's just so difficult if not impossible to color in that little valley where the spine of the book is so that's something that we learned very early on and, and I would never do now and I think that really helps make a good coloring book. But when did your love for pencils and pens started? Oh forever. I, I honestly I am that child that just knew exactly what she wanted to do when she was little. So I, I always knew I was going to draw. I always wanted to do art. I never considered any other career other than a creative one. And I just, I can remember being in playgroup and just wanting to be at arts and crafts. So that was when I was three. And I just think I'd always wanted to do it. I'm that annoying child. <laughs> But did you color and draw all the time? Yeah, but you know, I wasn't that good at um at coloring, so I often would go outside the lines, which I it never really bothered me as a child. And my dad once caught me redrawing the outlines so that I you know, so the bits where I'd colored outside of the line were now enclosed within the lines. And you know, and I would alter the artwork to to make it fit and if I only had two colours that didn't bother me. And my dad said to me, What you're cheating? And I remember, I remember looking at him, and I was six at the time, thinking, how can I possibly be cheating at colouring in? It's it's just right. I've done it. Whichever way I do it, it's right and correct. And it's great. Um, so that was my memories of colouring in. I was always a bit a bit more of a drawer than a colourer in her. So I would, um, I would take the colouring book and use that as a start point and then make my own things from there. But was it more fun to draw or colour back then? I always loved the drawing more. So I think I enjoyed colouring, but even when I was colouring, I would be adding my own bits and pieces to the drawing. So I think I think if it became if I had to choose between drawing or colouring, I would always pick drawing. But you went to art school? Mm-hmm. Yes. And after that you worked? Yes, yeah, so I went to art school and I studied textile design. So um, I specialised in silkscreen printing textiles um, and everything I did was hand printed and black and white. And then after art school, I did a few different internships and then I began to get inquiries asking if I would freelance. And I just assumed that when I left art school, I would move to London and work in a studio, maybe move to New York if I was lucky and work for someone else. And, you know, I would... I would be in that creative industry, but I started to get emails and requests from people. Um, I remember I took a phone call from DKNY and I remember saying to my friend, I've never had somebody phone me from America before. Like, this is really exciting. 
And when those things started to happen, I realized there was there was a bit of demand for my work and people started asking about pricing and if I could do freelance illustration for them. So it just made sense to sort of try it out and have a go and set up on my own and, and to see how things would go. And then you got the question if you could do a children's coloring book. Yes. So quite a few years into freelancing, maybe maybe five years into freelancing, um, I got an email from an editor asking if I'd like to do a children's coloring book. And I said, I would love to do a coloring book. You know, my black and white artwork was just perfectly suited for that medium. But I had this idea that I wanted to do a coloring book for adults. And, you know, at that time it was 2011 and there were no coloring books for adults. And I used to tell people this idea and they would look at me and I'm like, I think it could be a thing. And I'm like, no, grown-ups don't color. Don't be so silly. So anyway, I made this book and the publisher wanted it to be for children. So I just went ahead and drew some illustrations that were very detailed and said, look, let's do it for adults. This is what it would look like. You know, it's going to be really beautiful, elegant illustrations so that adults can color in and not feel silly. You know, it's not a kid's book. They're not coloring really naive cartoon drawings or Disney princesses. This is the same kind of artwork that I would be doing for my freelance customers so that you might see on perfume bottles or champagne packaging. And I just wanted to create this really elegant, beautiful book. So we worked about the ideas. And then, you know, I think with any creative process, you start off with one vision and it tends to just, you know, by default to sort of morph into something else. And the book that we made was Secret Garden, and it was too detailed for children. And, you know, it, it just fitted perfectly into that adult coloring category that didn't yet exist. <laughs> But why did you th think that grown-ups wanted to color when no one else thought that? You know, I just, I think after freelancing for so long, a lot of my freelance customers would receive their artwork from me and they would open up the pictures and it would be black and white line art and they would go, oh, we'd quite like to colour this in. <laughs> and they were just kidding. But I did sort of plant a seed and I thought if I love drawing these pictures so much, maybe people would like colouring them. And you know, I think everybody deep down has a creative soul. You know, as children, we all are instinctively drawn to crayons and pencils and we make marks and we color and we draw. And we're not scared about that and we're not embarrassed about it. But as we get older, for some reason, this this sort of odd fear creeps in and we lose all our confidence and we think that we can't be creative. And I just wondered if a coloring book would give people the guidance and the foundation to be creative without it being a blank sheet of paper. So there's there's already something there. You don't have to worry about drawing. All you have to do is pick up a pen or pencil and colour. You know, and that's the first step to getting back into being creative. And for a lot of adults, they won't have done anything creative and since the last time that they coloured, which might be, you know, when they were six or seven. So I think that was it. I just felt I just felt it was a project that I myself would like to work on and that I hope some people would enjoy when I made it. But could you imagine that it would be this big? No. <laughs> In fact, some of my most trusted friends and advisors told me not to do it. They were like, oh, come on, like, who is going to buy this book? And I was so busy with freelance work at the time that, you know, when we looked at the numbers and the way it works with publishing is you are paid in advance 
and then they print, you know, a small number of books. And if you don't sell all your books, you know, you never pay back your advance. I remember phoning up my editor and asking, you know, would I have to give the money back? And what do you do if the book doesn't sell? And phoning my mum and saying, please, can you buy as many copies as you possibly can for all your friends and family? Um, So, no, I, I didn't know. But I just felt that it was worth working on in evenings and weekends you know because I was still having to do my freelance work to pay my bills but I just thought this was the kind of project that only comes across comes along once once in a lifetime once in a while you never know and uh, yeah I just there was something about it I just really wanted to do it so it made no sense it was not a good business decision um back then obviously it was all right in the end but it didn't make sense and we had no idea what was going to happen Secret Garden your first book's became a huge success. How did you celebrate that? Joe, you know, it was quite low-key. In fact, it was very low-key. So I knew it was selling well and it had gone to reprint a few times. And then I had my first daughter, Evie. And anyone that's had children knows that when you have kids, your perception of the outside world just like dissolves. And I was just obsessed with sleep trying to like get her to nap, me sleeping, making sure we had enough milk, all these kind of crazy baby things. And then I phoned my editor from a car park, very, um, very glamorous, just to check in and find out, you know, if we were, if we were almost, I think it was like a hundred thousand copies and she'd gone really quiet. And she said, yeah, the numbers are actually much, much bigger. And then, and that's how we found out. And, you know, I'd love to say we had this huge party and we all got dressed up in frocks and there was champagne and cocktails, but I probably, I probably just thought, oh, great, and, and wondered if I should have a shower. <laughs> <laughs> but is that book still the most popular one? Do you know, it varies. That book still sells well. I think it's, I think it's like the original and it was the, it was the book that, that got a lot of people into colouring. So we still see very good sales numbers on that. And, you know, it's lovely to see people buying their second copy of it. So maybe they've already coloured it once and now they're going, you know, they're dipping back in for a second go and trying different colours and different different techniques. Or maybe their colouring has just, you know, changed so much since they, they first coloured. So for a lot of people, they are going back and, and buying a second book. And also, you know, people that found colouring and love it, you know, for them, that's a very emotional book. You know, that was a book that started it all for them. So that tends to be the one that people gift as well, because, you know, I think if it means a lot to you, you kind of want to pass that on. and It makes sense to pass on and gift something to someone that you yourself love. But did your mom buy, bought a lot of books since did she start? Yeah. To co- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She doesn't anymore now. She just asked me to cover them, but yeah, she bought a lot. <laughs> and does she color in them? She doesn't actually. I've never really had that conversation with her, but she has like one of everything I've done and loads of things and these bizarre memory boxes full of all my newspaper clippings. But I have never seen her color, so I will definitely have that conversation with her. <laughs> But do you have friends around you, or you, does your husband color? Yes, he's he's colored. He, he likes Lost Ocean the best, so um, he's he's colored all the sharks in there. And my kids love to color. My friends have the books, so yeah, it's lovely. Do you own any other illustrators' coloring book? 
Do you know, I, I've looked at them, but I deliberately don't because I'm one of those visual people where I'm scared that if I look at their images too much, that it's going to influence the way that I, well, that I draw, really. So a good example of this is when I was in art school, I lived in this flat with five, well, there was five of us. So there was four other girls and we were all art students. And I worked on this textile design for a competition and my flatmate came in to see me in the studio. I was like, look at this. I've been working on this floral design. I love it. I love the colors. What do you think? And she looked at it and she went, that's my bedspread. That's the, the print that's on my Ikea bedspread. And I looked at it. I was like, oh my goodness. So it is. And I just, I hadn't done it intentionally, but I'd seen it <laughs> and liked it and it just sort of soaked into my brain so yeah, I'm I'm too scared to to color anyone else's books just in case that happens. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you saw one of your pictures colored in by someone else? Yeah, so um we see them people started to email me them. That that was what it was. So it was before we really did a lot on Facebook and people would send me emails and attach pictures of their coloring. And and that was the first the first ones that we saw. And uh, yeah, it was it's incredible because you never see two the same. And when I start to think about it, you know, people coloring the pictures spend much longer looking at the pictures than I do drawing them and they notice different things. So sometimes people will send me photos of small details and go, you know, what is this flower or what is this funny curly bit? I'm like that, oh my goodness, I, I don't know. Let me <laughs> let me dig through my original drawings and find out and Uh, so I think it's it's really it's a humbling experience. It's really incredible to see something that I started and that somebody else has finished. You know, I think of the books as a collaboration, and you know, it's it's wonderful to see those those drawings completed and coloured and 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 brought to life in ways that I could never have imagined. You said that your new book is your favourite. Is it always like that? That the newest one is yes. your favourite? Yes. <laughs> I always get to the end and think, yep, that's the best one. Really pleased with that. Couldn't have done any better. And then a few weeks later, like, oh, I've got this other idea. And then I'm on a mission to make that book the best one ever. So I always try and make the project that I'm working on better than the one before. It's a simple mission, but I think it's a good idea, a good motto. But I mean, you have done, is this number seven? Yes. Yes. Number seven. You have done a lot of coloring books and uh, they are different, but there are a lot of flowers and leaves in the other ones too. Don't you ever get tired of color no. drawing? And <laughs> <laughs> no, I wondered, somebody asked me the other day, how many leaves do I think I've drawn? And it must be millions. Uh, I think because nature is by design so different you know you never see the same flower or the same leaf twice and it's all about how you perceive things so somebody said to me I'm fed up drawing green coloring green leaves I was like well why are you coloring them all green and firstly there are many shades of green but some of the best most innovative pictures I see on the coloring gallery have purple leaves or autumnal leaves they're all red and gold and, and orange Or you can go really crazy and have, you know, sort of variegated pink and purple and green leaves all in the same leaf. You know, I think I think nature is, you know, it's it's so diverse. But then when you add in your imagination, there's no limits to what you can do. That you became this 
good at drawing? Is it talent or hard work and practice? Practice. So I think there's a little bit of, there has to be a bit of skill there to start with, but I definitely notice that if I've taken a long time off drawing, so for example, I've been working on a lot of uh, digital things or marketing and I'm not drawing every day, I find it hard, you know, those first few days getting back into drawing. It's a bit like when you're off school for the summer when you're a kid and you have six, eight weeks of not being in school and then you have to try and write with a pencil. And I think that muscle memory, it, it kind of goes a bit. So I definitely think drawing is something that that you can get better at if you practice. And for me, the type of drawing that I do, it's actually it's actually not that difficult. You know, I tend to have almost routines or codes or techniques that I use over and over again and they help me to draw flowers. So I know, you know, like how to draw a circle and mark off around the edge where the petals are gonna go or I know how to create ivy leaves really quickly or I know how to do a symmetrical design, you know, without too much fuss. So there's definitely practices that you get into the habit of that, that make drawing um, quite quite easy, I guess. But when you are starting a new page for a coloring book, how do you mm-hmm. start? Where do you start? Usually in the middle. <laughs> so if I know the design is going to be um like a sphere a circle i will draw the big outline of that circle if i know it's going to be symmetrical i'll draw the line that represents the axis of symmetry in the middle and then i tend to just draw start in the middle and draw outwards so i know some people some artists sort of draw the big outline for all the big things and block them off first i don't do that i just i just start drawing and it grows quite organically it sounds It sounds a bit rubbish when I try to put it into words, but it just sort of starts at one point and grows, and that's how the drawings are made. This book is all about flowers. What is your favorite flower? Or flowers? Oh, so many. So I love a peony. I think they're really beautiful. And we got married in November, and I was actually really sad that there were no peonies available for my wedding bouquet. And we actually booked the date of our wedding. We got married on a Wednesday because I couldn't get the florist that I wanted any other day. And I was I was determined that I wanted um, a lovely lady called Lottie, who I'd actually done some freelance work for. Um, I wanted her to do our wedding flowers. So we decided the day of the wedding based on, on Lottie's availability. Um, but back to the question, flowers. I also love sweet peas and freesias. I think they smell divine. Everybody loves a sunflower. Um, Orchids, orchids are beautiful, but I definitely prefer wildflowers, I think. You know, there's something about seeing a big carpet of bluebells or some really pretty cow parsley, which is essentially a weed um, that I just really like. I think seeing flowers out in the wild doing their thing, just being beautiful without anyone interfering with them or directing their growth and I think I think there's something really special and magical about that but when you did this book that is finished but not not out for sale yet yeah uh, did you picture the flowers in color when you were no. drawing no I never ever picture anything that I draw in color when I'm drawing it so I only think of it in black and white 
So it's always a surprise when I see the finished pictures come out. It's like, oh, I would never have considered doing that orange or I've never anticipated that flower being purple, but it looks amazing. So I only ever, yeah, I only ever imagine them in black and white. But when I want to relax, I color. And we are a lot of people doing that uh, in coloring books. But what are you doing when you need to relax? I color too, actually. You know, it's it's a very different feeling to when I'm drawing. So I think not because drawing and coloring are so different. But I think when I'm drawing, there's to me that's definitely my work and my job. But when I'm coloring, that that is quite a bit of fun. So I like to do that. I also like to be outside. You know, I love walking, being outside, being at the beach, uh, being in the forest. Uh, what else? I would like to say that I like to cook, but I actually find that really stressful. I think I just like to eat. <laughs> I would like somebody to make me delicious food and I will eat it. Um, I love making cups of tea. I find that quite relaxing. I think I like the the procedure and the, the, not the ceremony, but, you know, getting everything out and doing it nicely. And I can take real appreciation in a, in a well-made cup of tea. Yes, when I asked coffee or tea in the beginning, I was sure you were going to say tea, but that's just my, <laughs> that I think that everyone in, in UK is drinking tea. Joke, I get the shakes if I drink too much coffee, so I do like the odd coffee, but it does not make for good colouring books, because I can't draw a straight line. <laughs> uh, in which countries can you buy your books? We have books in 41 different foreign territories, so that means there's 41 different versions of most of the books. Um, the most popular places are the UK and the US, Brazil, Korea, France, and China. And you mentioned it a bit before, but your fans in the coloring community, you, yes. you seem to have quite a close relationship. Oh, that's lovely. I hope so. Joe, I think of, I think of, I think of myself as being so lucky to have this job and I only have this job because of the coloring community so you know for me to be able to get up every day and do a job that I love is the biggest honor and I take it really seriously you know, I think if people are going to buy the books and color them and spend so many hours of their lives dedicated to those pieces of artwork contained within a book that it's up to me to make sure that every page is the best possible pictures that I can give them and you know and I try really hard and I think the colouring community are so um, inspiring and collaborative. You just have to look at, you know, some of the comments online. Everybody is so encouraging of each other. And I think that's very rare. I think online can sometimes be quite a dark place. You know, like you see a lot of things about trolls and you know people being quite negative and nasty. And I don't see that in colouring. You know, I think you know, overwhelmingly, it's a very warm community and I'm very privileged to have a place in that. And I think as well, colorists, you know, they give a lot of feedback. You know, when you're a creative person, you take your your creative pursuits seriously and you want the best materials and they want the best books. And so because of that, colorists are, you know, they're, they're very... Um, they're very open with their feedback and they wouldn't, you know, complain about something. They know that they should email the studio and 
and tell me because then I can make it better. So, for example, that thing about not having artwork cross the spine of the book, you know, I did that the first couple of books and we got so many emails and messages from people going, you know, it's, we can't color it. It's like, gosh, you're right. I am so sorry. And, you know, it's, we just changed it. You know, it's so good. It's, it's a brilliant way of getting instant feedback. And, you know, it's such a close knit community. And I think it's, I think it's only, it's only in recent years, you know, that, that anyone making a thing has been able to have that kind of communication. So it's brilliant. It's wonderful. But how much time do you spend on scrolling through Instagram or Facebook? Uh, well, I kind of slot it into my working day. So I, I tend to not use social media personally. So, for example, I don't, you know, like spend ages looking at things with my friends <laughs> because we're all in group chats. So for me, social media is, is quite um, it's a work related thing. And, you know, I find if I sort of sort of check in morning after and then lunch and then once, you know, in the evening that, you know, that gives me a good a good touch point and I also you know I think I think the community is quite you know we're all in the same places you don't have to go trawling about the internet to find the coloring community you know we know where we are and and that makes you know everyone in the same place so it's quite easy to communicate. I know that that people love you so much and get starstruck and when you are posting things they are like oh Uh, and you do you get get a lot of love yeah do you know I do and I'm so lucky because some people have terrible time online but you know I think you know people are maybe it's just the the kind of people that that buy the books and you know the kind of people that are attracted to coloring but overwhelmingly you know even when people are telling me I don't like this Blah, 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 blah. you know they're doing it because they want me to make a better book for them it's not it's nothing negative it's always coming from a place of love and optimism and you know I think I don't know maybe you just get what you maybe you get what you give or the other way around I'm a big believer in karma so we always try to be as happy and positive with everything that I do in the studio and online and you know I just I hope that it comes back to me But how has your life changed since you became this uh, illustrator of coloring books, since Secret Garden smashed through <laughs> the world, took over the world? Well, here's the honest, honest truth. So I had my first daughter in 2014 and my second daughter was born last year. I had to think about that. And being a mom has changed my life completely like unbelievably I just couldn't have imagined how much life was going to change once these little people came along and that's kind of happened at the same time as the coloring books taking off so you know for me it's hard to know what's changed because of the books and what's changed just because now we have to get up at 3 a.m and you know tuck somebody back into bed because they've dreamt about a monster so You know, I think in terms of, of life changes, you know, not that much has changed because of the books. We still live in the same place. I still do my same work. We've had to move studio, but that's only because the kids keep coming in and um, and wrecking it. So we thought it's better to, to have a separate place to work. But I think, you know, I still do a job that I love. And, 
you know, some people say, do you not want to stop working? And it's like, no, I, I really, really enjoy my job. Like, this is my dream job. I've always wanted to do it. And now I have the opportunity to to just take on the projects that I love. I think maybe that has been the biggest um, the biggest change that the coloring books has made. So before when I was a freelancer, every freelancer will know this, the freelance fear, you always think the job that you're working on is going to be the last job. So you take everything, you work really hard, you work through the night, you work weekends, you miss your friends' weddings, you just work, 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 work. And, you know, the stability of the colouring books has meant that, you know, I, I can say no to projects that just don't fit in with that lifestyle anymore. And to be honest, I wouldn't manage that anymore now anyway, now that I've got the kids. So it has given me a bit of freedom to, to just focus on the work that I truly, truly love doing. But for me, I think to do a job that I love and to know that I do it well, that I'm making a positive difference to so many people, that's really good. And also I want my I want my kids to see that. I want my two girls to see that they should strive to find a job and a career that they love, which fulfills them, and that they should work hard to be good at that. And, yeah, to, to try and make the world a better place, even if it is through colouring books. <laughs> but when you see the community, how big it has grown, and, and uh, uh, all the pictures and colouring groups and uh, uh, all the new coloring books that are launched all over the world. Do you feel like, are you proud? Like, this is my, yeah. it's me. <laughs> it was me that created, invented this. Yes, super, super proud. And I think back to the days when I was like trying to pitch that first book and going, it's a coloring book for adults and everyone just laughing at me. And me going, no, I think it could be a thing. And I just want to go, see, I told you. But no, I think there was one time I was I was in an airport and I was I, can't, I think I was about to fly to New York and there was an entire table of coloring books and I was standing looking at them and mine were there and you know and all the other great ones and this lady looked up at me and she went apparently these coloring books for adults are a thing now and I just went oh yeah I've heard that too <laughs> I had to walk away. <laughs> Some people says that the trend has decreased. Which I can't believe when I'm in the community and it feels like we are so many people. But is that anything you have noticed? You know, I think it's moved from a trend to a category. And I think that's a little bit less um, newsworthy and PR friendly. But in terms of the amount of people we see uploading to the colouring gallery, the amount of inquiries and emails that we get to the studio, you know, it's as busy as ever. So... I think it is that shift in being the new thing to being something that's established in a category as opposed to a trend. A trend will come and go, but, you know, we've seen a big shift at just being an accepted, you know, sort of formal creative pursuit now, you know, just the same as watercolour or calligraphy. So it's it's almost like we don't have to explain it anymore. It's just we are, if that makes sense. Will there be more coloring books coming from you? I'm actually working on my next project right now. So the book that I'm working on now will be out in one year's time. So, so I actually have to finish it for February. My editor, they give me a deadline and I always know that they put the facts in a cushion because I can be a bit, I can be a bit bad with deadlines. Just now, because of the children, I blame the children for everything, but we're working on a new one and it'll be out in October. But 
the one that we're launching just now, World of Flowers, that'll be out in October. But can you tell us anything about the next coloring book or is it secret? No, of course I can. <laughs> no, it is top, top secret, but it's really exciting and it's new and it's different. And it, yeah, it was on my list of, it was on my wish list of projects that I wanted to pursue. It was the next one after World of Flowers. So I'm delighted to have the chance to work on it. Ooh, when do we uh, get to know more about it? I suspect early next year. I think we're going to keep it under wraps until 2019. I asked some of the listeners what they wanted me to ask you, so I thought I should take some of their ask you some of their questions. Yes, let's do it. Yeah, Rafaela wonders if you are stalking us colorists sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Of course, you guys are so inspirational. And I I sometimes see things that you've colored and think, oh, that technique would look really great. Da, 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 da. And then I try and create an image to fit the techniques that I've seen. But yeah, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of them, the questions I've already asked you. So let's see. Yeah, okay. Marie wonders how you are managing to drawing and having two relatively small children? Yeah, lots and lots of guilt. <laughs> so I try and I try and keep office hours. So before I had children, I would work easily 15, 18 hours a day. If I wasn't asleep, I was working. <laughs> it just doesn't work anymore. So it's better now that I have a separate studio away from the house. And, you know, when I'm down here three full days a week when they have daycare and nursery. I do one day a week of working from home, which has mixed results. And then the rest of the time I'm with them. And then I get a lot of work done in the evening. So I don't tend to draw in the evenings. I think the light isn't as good. And I think when I'm tired, I definitely don't do my best artwork. I do my best drawing in the morning. But in the evening, I can do a lot of the, the online stuff, the digital things, all those more boring things that I don't really want to do during the day. I do them in the kitchen once the kids are in bed. And But you're dr drinking tea? No, well, herbal tea. Otherwise, I would not be asleep. But yeah. <laughs> And she also wonders if you will do a book with fairies or Halloween theme. Do I get asked that quite a lot. I'm not sure about fairies. I'm not great at drawing people. So I'll just put that out there. I really I struggle to draw The human form and I always have even at art school when we had life drawing it was not my favorite thing and Halloween I think Halloween is a really big thing in the US and we did a Halloween download last year because I'd always said absolutely no I'm not going to do a Halloween download and then the cutest kid asked me when we were doing a book signing at Michael's it was a big arts and crafts store in America And he just looked at me and he asked me and his mom was there and his big brother. And I just I could not say no to that child. So <laughs> we did a Halloween download. But maybe, maybe more Halloween things. I just imagine it being very black, very black and purple and orange. There's not a lot of color in Halloween, is there? Is there? I'm not a big Halloween fan, so no. <laughs> I'm, I'm passing this one. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll gloss over that. <laughs> But yes, pumpkins, yes, orange, purple, black, yes. 
Uh, and here it's not a question. It's just uh, uh, that uh, there are more than one that says that they think that it seems like you have a totally adorable, that you are a totally adorable, lovely person and that Aww. they love your Scottish Scottish accent <laughs> and to that. listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have an accent, but then nobody ever does. But, um, well, thank you. I am told quite often that I speak too fast, but I can't, I can't help it. I get excited and I just babble. My husband doesn't speak much when we're at home, and I think it's just because I don't give him the opportunity. I'm just <laughs> got so much to tell him. <laughs> uh, yeah, because your husband is one of the founders of Brewdog, I got yeah. the question if you drink beer. Yeah, I do actually. Do you know what? I didn't before I met him, um, unless you know you're at a terrible barbecue at a party and there was nothing else. But and I'm gonna get a bit geeky now, but I feel I have to as his wife. So beer is like wine. There are so many different varieties, and you know there's definitely some that I don't like. I'm not a big fan of the dark beers, but there's a few of the lighter ones and the fruit infused ones, and I don't drink a lot of it. You know. A complete lightweight it doesn't take much to send me dizzy um, but I definitely taste a lot of the beers now and yeah I think there's there's definitely a beer for everyone in the same way that there is a wine for everyone. Rekha writes we have all we all have times when we lose our focus mojo or inspiration uh, she wonders if you have any trips and tricks to get back into the creative cre- creative flow. Yes So get up from your desk. Don't sit there stewing, looking at the page, hating yourself. I always think a brisk walk outside helps me. Um, and if I'm, it sounds really odd and counterintuitive, but if I need ideas, I find I need to get bored, like really bored. So I always had my best ideas in art school on a Thursday morning. And that was because that was the one hour a week we had art history lectures. And they were so dull. And I would sit there and have the best ideas of all the things that I wanted to work on in the studio. And, you know, and and the same as now, you know, if I get stuck in a traffic jam or if I'm on an airplane and there's no Wi-Fi and no children to, you know, force feed apple juice and help take to the toilet, that's when I have all my best ideas. And I think it's because your imagination has nowhere to go but inside itself. And that's how you get your best ideas. And while we're speaking about that, the biggest enemy to ideas is smartphones and the internet. I think I've never, ever once been scrolling through social media or the internet or Pinterest and had a good idea. It it definitely gives you things to percolate and to digest and, you know, maybe think over. But I think when it comes to actually thinking and coming up with ideas, they, they don't happen when you've got a screen in front of you. Nadia wonders what tools and medium you use when you are drawing and what kind of paper you use. Good question. So I draw with a Statler um, rotary pencil, like a clicky one, so that you don't have to sharpen it. The lead, I use a 0.5 a weight lead with a B-type lead in it. Um, and for me, that just gives a really smooth line. I draw on... Dalla Rowney layout paper. So I use A3 size and layout paper is really thin. It's not like tracing paper though. So it's, it is, it just feels like very thin office paper. 
So it's really smooth for drawing on. And when I'm drawing, I draw everything in pencil first, absolutely everything. And then I put a new sheet of paper over the top and I redraw it in ink. So the paper's thin enough that I can see those pencil lines without having to use a light box. And then when I'm redrawing in ink, I use Statler pigment liners at quite like a 0.2. She also wonders, if you stop and watch colored pages, what makes you impressed, interested in that page? I love seeing unusual color combinations. So, you know, if somebody's just done something a little bit different, um, techniques I haven't seen before, quite often I, I'm like, got my nose pressed up against the screen going, is that, is that my drawing? Because sometimes people add stuff to them, which I love. So they'll draw in their own characters or extend the artwork and I'll be looking at it going, it looks vaguely like something I've drawn, but I'm just not sure if it is. And they have completely made that picture their own, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think different techniques, anything that's a little bit unusual, and then anything done by a kid, you know, I'm such a, I'm such a softie. The minute a five-year-old is showing me their colouring picture, I genuinely think it's the best thing I've seen all day, and I just have to tell them it's great. So I think that's really, that's really fun as well. <laughs> because it's not only we grown-ups that colour in your books. No, I mean it's mainly grown-ups, but I think, I think kids love to have a shot as well, and I think. <laughs> I think a lot of frustrated parents didn't like it when their kids were trying to help, in inverted commas, them colouring their pictures. So they've had to buy them their own books to, to make sure that the adult book stays pristine um, and then the kids have their own copy. But the downloads in particular, we see a lot of kids colouring the downloads. I think mums and dads can, uh, can print off a few copies and, and pass out pens and pencils. And it's, a good, it's a good rainy day activity. I know that some people feel that they don't dare to color in coloring books because they are so gorgeous and they feel they will destroy it, that they can't color as, as lovely as they wish. Do you have any advice for those persons? Yes. Stop it. <laughs> those books were meant to be colored. The artwork is not finished. So when I worked as a freelance illustrator, I would not have sent out line drawings in the form that I do in the books, you know, they're not finished, it's not complete, and there's no right or wrong way to colour, only your way. So no matter what you do, it's not it's not going to be wrong, and I think people just need to pick up a pen or pencil and make their mark and know that it's a collaboration and that my, those pictures aren't mine, they aren't complete. You have to add your bits to, to finish the process. Do you have any favourite picture from your new book? Um, good question. Yeah, do you know, there's one, there's a double page spread that has 30 individual flowers on it. And I really like that because each of the flowers is so different. And it, it very much looks like um, the botanical books, the botanical illustrations in my, in my grandmother's books. Um, so I quite like that one. And I just, when I look at them, I do, I do wonder which ones the colorists are going to like the most and I think I think I'll probably like that one. Is that exciting when you are when you are giving out a new book to see which pictures will be colored first? Yes and also there's always favorites for example um, uh, Ivy and the Inky Butterfly the one the page where she is on the boat is very popular 
The owl from Enchanted Forest is super popular. We definitely see you know, images appearing more often than others on the colouring gallery. And then I know that that's, that's a favourite. <laughs> so we'll soon see if you are right about this picture. I, yeah, I hope so. We're actually gonna, I'm actually gonna give it away as a download because I like it so much. So we're gonna launch that. We're gonna launch that in September ahead of the launch of the book, but it will be on the website forever. So even if you don't get the book, you will still, anyone can get the, the, the double page spread with the 30 individual flowers and print it off at home. Did it feel okay for you? Oh, it was lovely. It felt like chatting to my friend. Thank you so much. An hour just flew past. That was so quick. <laughs> yes, it was lovely talking to you, Joanna. And uh, thank you for listening. And goodbye.